0: Hello, and welcome to the Career Builders Podcast. I'm Mike Bird.
1: I'm Lisa Blaine.
0: And it is time for that annual tradition of us taking a pause to look back on the now second year of the Career Builders Podcast and just take a moment to review the 10 most downloaded episodes of the last 12 months. Lisa, it's always a fun time. We're thinking, we're reflecting, we're getting ready for the next year, but How do you feel about all this?
1: Yeah, it's always a really cool exercise to go through because I love looking back on some of the episodes and listening to some of the insights that we learned and amazing guests that we've had. So it's definitely, I mean, we've had so many amazing episodes. It was, it's amazing. I mean, we're lucky because the system picks it for us we just pick the ones with the most downloads, but it would probably be really hard to pick favorites for myself.
0: Yeah, for sure. I Always love the episodes we produce. Each person who comes on the show teaches us something. I enjoy getting to know them. And I think our listeners enjoy getting to know, to know those folks as well. And so, yes, like you said, we really are just going straight off of the statistics, which do skew toward and favor the earlier episodes in mm-hmm. this year. Um, but nonetheless, we do see some that kind of breakthrough that came through later on in the cycle. Um, but yes, definitely always looking back and feeling very thankful for the people who've been on with us. It's been special.
1: Definitely. And we have some really great ones in our top 10 too. So I'm excited to get into these.
0: Yeah. Let's jump into it.
1: Awesome. So in our number 10 slot is having a CEO mindset for your career with Ashley Fernandez. And I absolutely loved this discussion. And so let's play the clip and then we can talk a little bit about it. And when i think of a ceo too you sort of think of ownership like they they sort of own all the decisions that are happening within a company and so when you're talking about decisions i think of somebody really giving themselves permission to say this is what i'm going to do and i don't really have to answer to anybody
2: exactly exactly and and often i feel like the the three or five year or you know a few years into your career And even when you're well in, right, 20 years Mm -hmm. in, and then you're finally like, wait, no one else is responsible for this except me, (laughs) right? Yes, people have influence. People can help direct or, you know, roadblock in some cases, but the ownership is on you. So early on in your career, if you adopt this mindset, you'll be set up for success down the line.
1: I love this clip so much because it just nails exactly what we hope that people will do with their careers.
0: Yeah, it, it has a combination of great energy, optimism and directional insight. It's not something that that whole episode was really a great mix of how people can rethink about themselves and their career and give some really actionable ideas on how to do it. And Ashley just brings just a tremendous positivity which I thought was a great fit for what we try and do with this show. So definitely a great way to kick off the top 10.
1: Definitely. And for anybody who's looking to take some more ownership in their career, this is a really great episode for you to listen to.
0: Absolutely. Let us continue to the ninth most downloaded episode of the year. A one-on-one episode between Lisa and myself called Your Career Change Superpower a really fun topic that stemmed out of a conversation that Lisa had in a virtual conference in December of 2020. Let's play the clip.
1: What that means for me is that I'm able to sort of see opportunities for myself. So in terms of connecting myself with opportunities, um, in places that maybe didn't, I didn't think of before. Cool. So when i'm looking for a job i'll often think outside of the box for you know where where's the problem that i can solve um and it also helps too when i'm making building networking relationships because i'll often think oh i've met this person five years ago this person probably could do really well with this new person that i've connected with they could solve each other's problems. So I'm not even involved in the transaction necessarily, Mm -hmm. but by doing that, I am building the networking relationships that then can lead to something down the road in some way. It could be beneficial, beneficial for me as well.
0: Cool. Okay. That makes total sense. And also like in alignment with what we talk about all the time around planting seeds, nurturing connections, sounds like you're leveraging your superpower in all of those facets. I feel like for me, my superpower maybe a little bit similar, not that I'd say that I'm a connector per se in exactly the way that you've put it, but I do love to see opportunities where people might see problems or even challenges. I do like to see how things can be innovated and made better. And when something comes up as uh, maybe me or a teammate is facing sort of a negative quote unquote negative situation, It's like, what could we learn from this? So I guess I kind of have a way of spinning a lot of things into a more positive light.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. I really enjoyed that conversation. I'm so happy you brought that one to the table, Lisa.
1: Thank you. I really enjoyed talking about the superpower as well and how it really impacts the, the way that we go to work and the way that we impact our work and how we see the people around us too. So the number eight, is LinkedIn and kindness, the power of social reciprocity with Shelly L. Sliger. Let's listen to that.
0: Social reciprocity. So let's talk about that term because it's not something that I learned back when I was in school, the social reciprocity thing. What does it mean and why is it so important?
2: So social reciprocity is purposeful and intentional kindness. And it's usually, um, It's usually comes about because there's some kind of um, professional uh, idea or gain or um, motion that you want to undertake. So it's intentional and it's purposeful. So we have kindness, which is hopefully something that we all do regularly with everybody around us. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But social reciprocity takes a little bit of a spin because it's based on normally those professional relationships that you have. So, um, you know, we can, we should and be kind to everybody, but when we're, you know, LinkedIn is um, a space for professionals. So the, the, the relationships that we're building is based on professional relationships. So when we're on LinkedIn, we have a goal. It's like Simon Sinek says, you know, what is your why? So we all have a why of being on LinkedIn. And of course, we need people to help us. So when we're investing and mastering the art of social reciprocity, we're being intentional with kindness. We're being intentional with um, doing things for other people. Not to get something back, but also knowing that we are humans. And trust is the core of every kind of relationship that that builds and progresses. So knowing that we can develop, um, we can be kind, knowing that that is going to help us to build trust and to build relationships that we can rely on. So at the end of the day, we can depend on them and they can depend on us.
0: Isn't it so interesting how... I thought Shelly did a great job in that episode of tying it all together, of bringing kindness and LinkedIn onto the same page and how using technology when it's being driven by a positive intention can be so beneficial. Mm-hmm. I think we often kind of people who might be afraid of using technology like LinkedIn to advance their careers, yeah. they, they re- maybe don't remember the fact that it starts with where you're coming from before everything else comes into place.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's a great reminder for everybody too. Cause sometimes we can forget that LinkedIn is about this reciprocity and, and building these social networks, but that it comes back to kindness at the heart of everything and trust. And, and that's, I think really, really cool.
0: Yeah. Thanks so much, Shelly. That was an awesome episode. Number seven most downloaded episode of year two featured another guest, Jessica Sweet. And her episode is called Crafting Your Career Intentionally. Let's take a listen.
3: There isn't a a way that we have, there's not a system for um, building in that intentionality for people. Um, And I also think it's really hard as a young person when you haven't experienced a lot of the world to know, um, you know what each of these things really looks like or means or feels like. Um, so until you go out there and, and try out some things, you don't know if it's really for you. And so um, it can be hard to just say, I'm going there, this is my path um, and really know that it is for you or isn't for you.
0: That makes a lot of sense. And to kind of go back to your own story around how you had to try adoption before finding addiction, it, it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I, I just, I'm never going to forget that. Um, but yeah, it makes a whole lot of sense. And the idea that students or people who are going through their academic careers, they're on sort of a path and they've had a, a plan in terms of, I do grade four and then I do grade five and then I do grade but that's not really how life works in and of itself. Mm-hmm. And then you combine that with the fact that like, there are so many options out there. Once upon a time, there were only like about a hundred different career paths in the world a couple centuries ago. And now I believe there's over 12 or over 13,000 mm-hmm. occupational titles uh, that exist. So I can see how it's totally understandable that people fall into these things.
1: Yeah. And yeah. just oh, that number, sorry to add to that too. I definitely was somebody who fell into my career and part of it too, was just sort of the need to make money. Like the survival tactics of, you know, now I have some student debt. I need to pay that off right away. And how's the best way to do that right now?
0: Fun conversation, right? Really a lot of back and forth. And Jessica has been in the career coaching space for a dozen years. And it was neat to tap into her fast experience working with all kinds of different clients, many of whom are in positions that they didn't intend to be in. And that's why they eventually went to her for help.
1: Yeah. And I think it's really cool that she talks about some acceptance of, you know, a lot of us do have some lack of intentionality at some point in our careers and that's okay too. It's not judgment towards one way or another, but just that if you do want to bring intentionality, she has so many great tips and so many great ways of helping people to move forward.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you, Jessica.
1: Okay. And then we had a really great episode for our sixth most downloaded, the career stories method with Carrie Twig. So why do stories help us progress in our careers?
4: Why? Why? Wow.
1: Um, So I think that there's three,
4: there's three areas that stories can work. So mainly like we all know science that like, if you tell, like, I see kind of a story, like, um, like you're putting a, like, it's, it's magic, right? Like I can drop an image in your head. I can say, oh, look out my window. There's a woman in a yellow dress. She's dancing (laughs) with a purple bear and it's in your head, right? Like that, that's, Wild. So you can put, you can put ideas, and you can put images in other people's heads. It, um, what I just did is just like gave you a detail. So there's no story. Um, but what I can do is, is it can light up people's brains in a way that they're going to remember you in, they're going to remember you at a deeper level than if you just give them facts. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you can kind of tickle someone's brain by helping them to remember something, um, make a connection to something else in their life, they're going to remember you, they're also going to trust you, and they're going to understand you, and you're trying to do at a level that if you just give facts, don't, don't work. Um, In terms of the stories that we want to have in our careers is we want to be aware of the story that we tell ourselves, because no other story can hold you back more, mm-hmm. um, you mm-hmm. know, then you either tell yourself you, a story of, I feel worthy about this work, or you tell yourself a story like, I, I don't, I'm not the kind of person who gets to do that kind of work,
3: right? Mm-hmm. And
4: that right there will, will stop you from going for things or not going for things. Um, there's a story that you tell other people so then they get to make the connections about it. And then it's also like, it's a story people are telling about you. And so if people are not aware of what your worth is or what you've done, what you do, or what makes you different, they're not gonna tap you on the shoulder, like for opportunities. They're not gonna invite you to things cause they don't know. Mm-hmm. So the, those combinations of things can help you take your career where you want to.
1: This episode, I love when it comes to thinking about your career, because there are so many stories that we've built up and I love that. She really lays that out in the three areas. You know, the stories we tell ourselves, the stories we tell other people and the stories that they tell about us. And it's really just a great way of, of thinking about career advancement and how to make yourself stand out.
0: Yeah. Carries such a unique voice as a career coach. I mean, she wrote a book that really summarizes her viewpoint. And The Career Stories Method is a great book. I have recommended it to a number of people who just need some DIY career help. And it was such a pleasure to be able to hear straight from her how these things work, how they can be applied, and to be in such an engaging conversation around using stories in your career. Uh, Truly a really fortunate episode to be a part of.
1: Yeah, thank you, Carrie.
0: In the fifth spot, we have episode 66, another conversation between Lisa and myself called The Seven Attitudes of Job Seekers. And this is really something that we both took and learned a long time ago and and adapted it to the work that we do now. When Lisa and I first met each other going through the same coach training program at IPEC, and so it was a pleasure to make this conversation for job seekers. Why would anyone hire me? It's, it's really kind of this very defeatist perspective. And so no real action is taken. If, if there's no job out there that you can actually be offered, why would you ever put yourself out there?
1: Mm-hmm. It's very much a victim mode. And I like to use that term, because Mm -hmm. I find that people can relate to that a lot. You might notice this in yourself, like, Oh, I feel like this is happening to me. Um, You might also have a feeling of scarcity. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: There aren't enough jobs out there. I'm not going to get that job. And it's, it's also linked to low self-esteem. Yes. So feeling like you're not good enough feeling just like you said, like you're not going to get any of the jobs. Why would anybody hire you? Um, but then, you know, there aren't enough jobs out there. So even in this COVID situation, thinking because of COVID, there aren't any jobs, so I'm not going to apply.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. The same, I think, would go for things like feeling like you're too old or too young or that you don't have experience or that you're going to be racially discriminated against. It's not that we're um, pretending those things don't exist as, as issues. It's just if your whole approach to job searching is grounded in these perceptions, then they're going to show up for you as you not really taking a whole lot of
1: action. Mm -hmm. Definitely.
0: Attitude is everything, right, Lisa?
1: That's so true.
0: Yeah. How you think about something impacts how you feel and how you feel impacts the actions you take and the results you get. And that's really kind of at the crux of what that conversation was about. You can choose how you want to show up and. It will decide the outcome of your job search for you in many ways.
1: Yeah. And what we were describing was this sort of level one attitude where you are really feeling like there's not a lot of options for you. And that can really impact the way that you approach your job search. And so throughout the rest of the episode, we talk about ways that you can shift from that if you want. And we also talk about some of the benefits that come from these different attitudes and how they can help you at different stages. So I, this is definitely one of my favorite conversations that we've had as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Totally. Huge throwback.
1: Excellent. All right. So number four was again, another one-on-one episode where we talked about the four phases of career transition. So let's take a listen.
0: Yeah, there's no question that having some form of accountability, whether it is in the form of, of a course or an individual who's helping you or it could even be a community. Um, one of the coolest things that, that we do as entrepreneurs is we talk to other people who are building businesses that are similar to ours, different and being, you can apply that same kind of mentality as a job seeker by joining other communities who are also full of people that, that are in these these phases of transition that we've been talking about. Um, it it kind of helps validate the process a little bit so that you don't feel like this is strange or that you're weird or whatever. All of these things are totally normal there isn't necessarily, you know, how fast you go through them is not always the end goal.
3: Mm-hmm. Sometimes
0: it's the quality and the depth of the orientation and the exploration and the discovery. Sometimes it's the relationships that you make along the way as you're going through your job search execution. Because the stronger your network is at the end of the day, the easier the whole thing becomes. The more fun, honestly, I think career transition can be. You know, that might sound strange to someone who is maybe many months in and totally frustrated right now, but keep going because those seeds that you're planting, they grow over time, uh, as long as you're nurturing them.
1: I think this is such a great point. And this is something that we continue to talk about, but we've experienced so much of it through this podcast as well of building these amazing networks and amazing relationships with people. And it's really great that there's the silver lining of if you are going through a career transition, you, there's actually a really amazing outcome regard. Like, even if you don't get a job, there's still this really cool thing that comes out of it at the end and, and it can help you through the four phases as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Job search is more than just finding a job I, is sort of one way you could think of it is there's much to be learned, much to be gained. And we often hear, or we've been told, or we've said as coaches, maybe even right? That you're right where you need to be right in this moment. And it's about gaining awareness of that and really taking advantage of the transition that you're going through. Life's full of transitions. And if you just sort of honor that, then you can get the most out of it. Number three on the most downloaded episodes list of the last year was this one, an amazing, uh, book author interview, um, Tracy Lovejoy and Shannon Lucas wrote a book called Move Fast, Break Shit and Burn Burnout. And this was episode 59.
3: We are describing in the title an innate way of operating that we move fast, that we break shit and that we burn out. And the second part of the title is this is a little bit of the antidote to make sure that you're doing that effective, you know, that you're you're actually being a more effective catalyst. So moving a little bit slower, breaking shit with a little bit more intentionality and lessening the burnout, which is the catalyst guide to working well part. You heard from our sort of origin story that the thing that catalyzed us coming together to serve this population was first and foremost burnout. There's sort of three main things that catalysts, sort of the broad challenges that catalysts suffer from. One is lack of clarity because we can have so many ideas, but the other two are really sort of the personal experience which is isolation because we can sort of be called the troublemaker and the disruptor, not necessarily in a positive way, although we end up co-opting that. And then from all of that burnout can can arise. And so because it's one of sort of the defi- sort of definitional things about being a catalyst, we had to unpack like, how do we get there? Tracy's data was really clear that when catalysts are not conscious about their process and bringing in that intentionality, that is really what the book is advocating for. Is like being bringing your more, most intentional self to your work. Uh, we have this energy curve that we call the catalyst journey. And we start off by this like wicked mania when we're first solving a problem. We're like, oh, we're so excited to like connect all the dots and have all the conversations and get to that vision as quickly as possible about how that thing could be better. And as we're doing that, we just get a ton of energy from that experience. What often happens as we're doing that, though, is that we start to, because we're getting so so much energy, we can let go some of our, what we would call rejuvenation practices along the way. So you're like, just a couple more hours at work, just a couple more phone calls, just reading a couple more books. I don't need to go to the gym today because I'm feeling great. Um, But over time, as we go through the process, our energy starts to decline. So once you've got the vision and you're trying to sort of orchestrate either your organization or your stakeholders to actually... execute on that vision, we start to lose energy. Like this is not a strong suit for most catalysts, like, you know, starting to actually implement the processes and get into the details and the weeds. We'd rather have someone lean in and take it over and run with it. And so we're starting to get less energy, but even at that point, we still have energy because we so deeply need to see the thing existing in the world that we can see the direct connection.
0: Yeah, that was a pretty, um, high octane conversation with those two, they were in the middle of their, as authors often do, sort of a podcast tour around their book launch. And it was a lot of fun learning from those two, Tracy and Shannon, just around how a very particular part of the workforce tends to function.
1: Yeah, I agree. I love learning about the term catalyst and what that meant and how that tends to be these people who are very well, like it says, fast moving um, and people who can make things happen, but how it can also lead to so much burnout. And I also think that within this conversation, it's not in that clip, but I believe they were the first people who sort of talked about this sustainable idea of self-care and how it's an ongoing practice, which I think she started sort of started to allude to here, but there's so many great pieces in this episode.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's an episode we've been building on in many subtle ways ever since. So I'm very thankful that they both joined us for that conversation.
1: Okay. And so our number two episode on our top 10 uh, most downloaded is episode 57, which is again, another one-on-one chat with Mike and I, and it's about generalists versus specialists. Yeah. And I mean, everybody's different. I've met people who really wanted to see the big picture. They're Mm -hmm. big picture thinkers They don't want to get too far into one thing they really love seeing how the macro level things fit together so Mm -hmm. if you are in a place where you're trying to make a decision about whether you should go towards generalist or specialist think about your own personality traits think about Mm -hmm. what you like um do you like being into the details and really mastering something or do you like having a little bit of knowledge of everything
0: and that is a great point yeah there's there's definitely sort of a personality match that tends to, to fall in line with the kind of role that someone ends up in, whether it be generalist Mm -hmm. or specialist.
1: I thought that this was a cool conversation as well, because it, it went in so many different directions around the, first of all, what a generalist and specialist is, because Mm -hmm. it's hard to kind of define sometimes, but then also just looking at how it shows up in different roles and how you can be a little bit of both.
0: Yes. Yeah. And, and sort of validating both, uh, kinds of positions. One isn't necessarily better than the other and the kind of organization that you're in is going to have a really big impact on just how generalized or how specialized you are. And it's just one of those big factors to think about as you consider designing your career or the next step in your career, to have this in mind because it can have a really big impact on your day-to-day experience and just on how you feel about the work that you do.
1: So true. So going back to Shannon and going (laughs) back to Jessica around that intentionality, this is just a piece of that intentionality.
0: Boom. I hadn't thought of that. So true. Love it. Cool. And we were honored to have, um, for our one year and one year anniversary episode a really spectacular guest on the show and for most of the last year actually this episode has been at the top of our downloads chart it's episode 56 it's called hidden jobs and value validation projects and it's with Austin Belsack take a listen
1: i'm i'm imagining people listening to this and thinking damn you hidden job market <laughs> <laughs> so for the people who are thinking that way, what's a possible mindset shift for them about how this could actually benefit them?
5: Sure. So the the biggest thing that helped me was just looking at the numbers and looking at where I was spending my time. So um, you know, and I put these numbers out there and these are numbers that I've come across. Um, and and they're sort of a mix of what seems to be commonly accepted in the industry, um, from surveys and anecdotal evidence that we've seen. And also my personal experience, you know, with the people that that I work with. And so uh, I will caveat with that because sometimes people come to me and they're like, this isn't a verified source. This isn't peer reviewed or whatever it is. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, we work with what we have, but essentially, um, 75% of people are using online applications as their primary method to get in the door for a job. Uh, But when you apply online, you only have, on average, about a 2% chance of getting in the door. But that percentage actually drops as you go up in company caliber, and there are more people vying for that single job. And so that's really tough, right? 75% of your competition is all in this funnel where you only have about a 2% chance of success. Whereas if we look on the flip side, referrals make up in the ballpark of 5 to 10% of applicants, uh, but they make up about 40 to 80% of hires. And so even if we take the most conservative estimate there of 40%, um, that's still w- well ahead of 2%, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And so when I understood that as a job seeker, I said, okay, the key here is to get a referral. And when I understood that and I saw the data, uh, one, that made the leap easier to take because The big question that comes up next is, well, how do I get a referral if I don't know anybody at the company? And that's really kind of the core focus of my my job search strategy. But if we understand that, you know, we may not know how to do this thing, but it's well worth our time to explore it simply because we see the data. Like if I go to Vegas and I have a hundred dollars in my pocket, I could play roulette, which has, you know, the worst odds of any game in the casino. But if there was another game out there that had a a 40 to 80% chance of of me winning, but I've never played it before, I'm probably gonna play that over roulette even if I know the rules of roulette simply because I have a better chance of winning. And so you can figure this stuff out. There are strategies, you know, I think we'll talk a little bit more about them, Mm -hmm. but once you understand what the data looks like, um, it makes it a lot easier to invest in that side of things. And it is possible to build relationships with people and get a referral, uh, despite not knowing anybody right now, like that is a skill you can build. That is something that you can achieve. It's not like you only have your immediate friends and family and network to tap into.
0: Wow. Yeah. That was something it's our longest episode on TCBP. It's really hard to have an hour and 12 minutes of Austin's Thoughts on something. And so we were very fortunate there. Mm -hmm. And if you want to take a solid, deep dive into the two main topics, hidden jobs, hidden job market and value validation projects, this is an incredible episode.
1: Agreed. And I love that he has these stats that just sort of smack you in the face. Like you're like, wow, that's I, there's no disputing that, that just makes so much sense. Why would you Mm -hmm. not do it? Why would you try to just apply online when there's these options that have such a higher return rate.
0: Yeah. No kidding. Right. Yeah. There's just a no nonsense approach that Austin presents. There's a lot to learn in that particular episode. Uh, Definitely a very worthy episode for the top spot on the list.
1: Agreed. Thank you so much, Austin.
0: Yes. And that is it for year two in review, the best of our, of our show. And it's inspiring knowing that we've had some great conversations and always exciting to know that there are many more to come.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. I've sort of been talking about this the last episode and this episode. And we have one more, which will be our two year episode that's pretty exciting coming up. But uh, yeah, it's just been really, really great to have this platform and for us to also learn and grow and continue to expand our minds through this really cool platform
0: yeah if there's an episode that you remember from the last year and that really stood out to you dear listener feel free to hit us up on linkedin or by email about it it would be awesome to have a conversation with you about it uh but until we meet again in two weeks for the career builders podcast i'm mike bird i'm lisa plain we hope you are well and we hope you'll join us again soon bye for now Hey, dear listener. Thanks for tuning into another episode of the career builders podcast. If you love the show and want to help us spread our message further and reach new listeners, would you consider leaving a rating and review of TCBP on Apple podcasts? Without a doubt, your help would be much appreciated on behalf of Lisa and myself. Thanks. Bye for now.